What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Now back to On the Block with Strick and Austin on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Back here on the block, Austin Norman and Eric Strickland with you. We go to our VIP line brought to you by Aloe Fiber, where we understand the importance of exceptional service with local heart. Welcome in a familiar voice, one we haven't heard in a while. Andrew Alex, 24-7 Sports, joins us. Andrew, long time no chat, man. What's up? How you been? What up, boys? How we doing? Man, it's just good to have football back. It's, it's that time of year, and we're, we're going to throw it out to you. We've talked a lot of, uh, of Big Ten, some Big 12, but ACC had some interesting football going on last week. Um, let's start with, with your Hokies. What are you seeing from, from them? Big one with Purdue this week. Yeah, guys. I mean, it's definitely, uh, again, kind of still a period of transition for the Virginia Tech football program. I don't know if you guys thought of it, if you guys read it. Uh, ESPN posted kind of a big, almost long-form expose on what's gone wrong for Virginia Tech football over the course of the last, uh, uh, I guess, 10 years in post-Frank Beamer era, and uh, there's a myriad of issues. But all Brett Pratt can do is try to recruit, rebuild his team. And uh, you know, when you look at last year's team, the offense was anemic. It just didn't move. It was like, you know, watching molasses or something like that. This year, made a little bit of an adjustment using the transfer portal to your advantage. They go get Ollie Jennings, who is from Old Dominion, one of the ranked receivers in the transfer portal for former four-star recruit out of Richmond. Jalen Lane, Daquan Felton, they had some development on the inside as well. What we saw from Virginia Tech in their opening game against Old Dominion was uh, I mean, they scored 30 points for the first time in 14 games. You know, it wasn't like watching Iowa football, which I know that everyone in Nebraska, you know, you the less Iowa-type football you can watch, the better. So there's still some issues. Ogie's had problems running the ball. Ogie's had problems stopping the run. Now, against Purdue this week, again, you have another program in transition. First year, new coach, a lot of talent from last year's, uh, you know, Big Ten West champion squad out the door, whole new offensive system. Uh, Vegas likes the Hokies. Vegas handicaps them as a three-point favorite. I see the forecast. I see maybe a little bit of rain coming. Purdue's probably uh, more quick to run the ball than Virginia Tech is. 
more equipped to succeed in a game like that. So I like Purdue close, but uh, I, I still think it's a really solid opportunity for Virginia Tech to get a conference power five win at home for the first time since 2009. Don't say Virginia it. Virginia Tech beat Nebraska. Oh, you had to go there. I did. Sorry. <laughs> now, facts are facts. We get it. They they are what they are. Nebraska had its chances in that one. But, hey, week one, Virginia Tech gets the win. Virginia gets absolutely pasted by Tennessee. Did you watch any of that game? What do you make of either the Vols or the, the Cavs? Uh, yeah, UVA, and I, I try to keep my own personal bias out of this, but <laughs> they're having a really tough time over there. I mean, they're rolling out a, a Monmouth transfer, SCF Monmouth, New Jersey, for those of you who aren't familiar, uh, who had very limited experience. That's going to be their starting guy. Uh, obviously, a, a program that, you know, has the very, very tragic shadow of the issues that happened last year, uh, and I, I don't think they're, they're totally equipped to recover. Quite frankly, I actually thought Tennessee would be them worse than they actually ended up uh, doing. So I guess maybe that's a small win for UVA. But in my eyes, that's the worst team in the ACC. Uh, you know, that's one of really just a small handful of games. I look at on Virginia Tech's schedule and mark that as, uh, you know, that should definitively be a win. Uh, you know, a whole lot of toss-up games in the ACC teams that evenly matched. I think they're on the wrong side of it. So, um, yeah, not looking good for Tony Elliott in year two. Maybe they'll prove me wrong. But, you know, with the talent that they have on that roster right now, you know, they've, it's just been a mass exodus both when Elliott arrives and then between year one and year two. So, uh, tough times there. Uh, they're playing JMU this week. I would expect JMU to win that game. Uh, by, I, mean, I think it's a six and a half point spread in favor of JMU. And I think they'll probably cover that. Oof. Hey, Andrew, how are you, man? It's good to see you or hear you. Uh, but listen, <laughs> um, who. The ACC has kind of been turned upside down a little bit. Clemson had dominated for, for quite some time. Uh, now we see some reemergence of uh, some old school uh, leaders as, as like Florida State are starting. Who do you see as the top three right now in the ACC? And who do you see as like a couple of the underdogs who can kind of surprise somebody and throw maybe some wrinkles into the, to, to the plans of the ACC conference? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, starting off, definitively, your number one's got to be Florida State. And, you know, the media saw it in that game against LSU with 45-24 whopping. Times uh, have been tough at Florida State, you know, really over the course of the last five years. But Mike Norvell's done a good job of doing what his predecessor and Willie Taggart could not, and that is recruit, retain, and, uh, you know, build along the offensive line. It was crazy a few years ago seeing how bad on the offensive line you can be. Now, They've gotten their offensive lineman. They had a quarterback in Jordan Travis who is experienced. And, uh, you know, in my eyes, in the eyes of uh, even some NFL scouts, uh, a very talented guy who is now in his sixth season playing college football. He started as a freshman at Louisville in 2018 with an injury year, a redshirt year, and the COVID year. He is still playing uh, at Florida State here today. So I think that that guy has a chance to be possibly – the best quarterback in the ACC, and we saw that with the four-touchdown, 342-yard performance against LSU. They're the team to beat. Now, beyond that, uh, North Carolina, I think, is who I'm going to put as my number two right now. Uh, and mm. that comes down to the quarterback, right? Drake Bay is a name that you're – doesn't matter if you live in California, Nebraska, or North Carolina itself, you're going to be hearing that name because that's a name that's being muttered by NFL scouts left and right. You know, you see teams like the Arizona Cardinals tanking, yeah, because they want an arm talent like that. 
from my area, Huntersville, North Carolina. Uh, with the weapons that they have on the outside, I think he's poised for in his second year as a starter to possibly even take a step up from what we saw with him last year, and that was a 38 touchdown to seven interception season. Obviously, that's going to get you on the top of some draft boards. But with the real kicker for me is, is looking at North Carolina's defense, they actually look like they could be a formidable group this year, and that's not something we've seen out of North Carolina with basically in the Mac Brown era, whether it was Dan Howell starting quarterback or now Drake May. It was a team that was always capable of getting you above 30, maybe even 40 points, but, you know, you're losing games 45-42, right? Mm-hmm. A solid defense there could make this team extremely dangerous, and I like what they're seeing. And some of these four, even five-star guys that they recruited earlier on in the careers are kind of starting to realize that potential that a lot of North Carolina fans, you know, basketball school, maybe expect that to matriculate right away. Uh, it hasn't. But, it, you know, with time and development, it looks like that's a team that uh, – you know, it has a very good chance of making it to Charlotte and, uh, you know, finishing their regular season where they began, where they beat South Carolina here, uh, you know, just a week ago on Saturday. Uh, now, lastly, I'm still going to say Clemson just because of the talent, right? I mean, I know they lost, but you have a five-star quarterback in Kate Klubnick. You have five stars all across the defense. You have five stars on the offensive line. That's not something that most other ACC teams can say that they have. Right, they shot themselves in the foot a lot. The offense still looked like it was going to be a problem. You know, they got the offense coordinator from TCU last year, so they're implementing a little bit of a new system. That's not something that Clemson traditionally does. They hire from within. Now, Clemson's long-term prospects of the football program, you know, they're not going to be where they were with Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson. It's Dallas Sweeney's unwilling to embrace it. the transfer portal. But this year, right now, today, assuming that he can keep these top recruits engaged. You know, it'd be foolish not to say that they're one of the top three teams in the ACC. Beyond that, you guys watch you guys watch football on Monday. Duke is no joke, and it's crazy what Mike Helco has been able to do there, given the roster that they had when they started, and given obviously Duke's limitations as a football program. But one thing that Duke has been able to do: embrace the transfer portal while having there not be a ton of attrition from the inside. So they've been able to develop the guys that they have in house and then build from there. So we saw it. We basically kind of reached a, a pinnacle for Duke football. I, I don't know if I told you guys this. My dad is a Duke alum. He texted me in the morning on a Tuesday saying, this is really the first time it, it, since I was in school in the 80s that everyone in the country is waking up and the talk is Duke football. So I respect that. And uh, I think that they're a team that, you know, they have a very difficult schedule with the new ACC scheduling model, they kind of just got absolutely hosed. They have they had to play Clemson. They still got to play Florida State. They're going to have to play North Carolina. They got to match. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Some of Notre Dame there as well. So, you know, the record might not show it, but I think that's a team that, as we saw on Monday, can go out and beat anyone. And, uh, you know, just I, I won't speak too much on it, but I like Louisville as well. I think Louisville is a dangerous football team. 
NC State with Brennan Armstrong. You know, it's a team that's been good in the past. So there's good programs on the top end of the ACC. There's a lot of mediocrity in the middle and bad at the end. But, uh, you know, the teams I listed, I think, could go toe-to-toe with, you know, maybe not like the top of the Big Ten, but I, I give them a good shot against pretty much anyone else. And I'd give Florida State a shot against Michigan. Why not? Yeah, I want to get back to a team you didn't mention um, in just a sec. But something I asked at the beginning of the week was watching that Duke-Clemson game following along on Twitter, seems like there was a lot of disdain for Dabo Swinney. Obviously, people don't like rooting for Duke because it's Duke, and I get that as the Duke basketball fan. I'm totally used to that. But the fact that people were so openly rooting against Dabo Swinney and Clemson I didn't get that hate. What what makes Dabo someone you know that's a target of some of that vitriol down in ACC country? Uh, I mean, I just think it's kind of. I think people just think he's kind of weird, and yeah, you know, like when they ask him a serious question about NIL, and he says this program was built on NIL and it was built in God's name, image, and likeness. Like, I don't think the people need to be necessarily anti-religious to be like. This guy's kind of fake. This guy's kind of a clown. And also, like, there's been clear signs that he's been doing some shady stuff, you know, maybe in the pre-NIL era in terms of uh, acquiring recruits and stuff like that. So I think that, you know, it's funny because the Clemson fans just can't fathom why people don't like Dabo Sweeney. I wouldn't say I'm, like, too far on that end of the spectrum. I think that you have to kind of be a clown. You have to be a little bit weird and unique or have something going for you in that regard in order to build a football program. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's, you know, it's, it's not his looks. It's his personality, if you know. I mean, that I think rubs people the wrong way. And, you know, once you get a long enough period, which we've had in the ACC, uh, and uh, one team really just dominating for the most part. I mean, they've won like six of the last seven ACC championships. I'm just making that number off the top of my head. Sounds about right. But... I think that teams are ready for, uh, you know, a new dog to step in. And, you know, when you're at the top of the mountaintop, I think people like to watch you fail. And uh, I think the ACC country uh, definitely got behind the Blue Devils. The country got behind the Blue Devils uh, in general. And, uh, yeah, as a Duke basketball fan myself, Boston, it's not something you see every day, but, yeah, Duke football and Duke basketball are viewed in the eyes of the general public with very, very, very different lenses on day. They sure are. We're talking with Andrew Alex on our Allo Fiber VIP line. Andrew, one of the, the teams you didn't mention has one of the more fascinating games of the weekend out of the ACC. It was a snooze fest 17-9 game last year between Texas A&M and Miami, but the Hurricanes get the Aggies at home in Coral Gables. What would a win over A&M do for Miami? Do you give them a chance to pull it out? Uh, I, I, I want to give them a chance, right? I mean... Tyler Van Dyke's been there for a while, and I think that he is a, a a formidable quarterback. You know, I have respect for Mario Cristobal and what he's done in the past. And he, with Mario Cristobal, right, I mean, think about this, Stricken Austin. Miami's never won the ACC championship since they joined 16 years ago. Like, this program has solely built up the hype of, like, the Sean Taylor, Ray Lewis years combined with location and – you know, just general prestige that comes with it, right? It's cool. You want to, the kids want to go down, they want to play with Miami, in Miami, but they have such deep-seated cultural issues. It shows on the field in terms of discipline, and it shows in their record year to year, and they're never able to be consistent despite the talent they have and despite the fact they're still sending a bunch of players to the NFL. 
uh, Texas A&M on the other hand. Uh, I, I would want to know a little bit more about where they're at, but what I can tell you is that last year I was a team that was probably the biggest disappointment in college football. Uh, Miami would have been up there with them, actually. But, you know, they brought they did lose a lot from their, you know, number one overall in the country class. But I like who they have. Connor Wegman at quarterback. Uh, I, I still take the Aggies. I still certainly take the Aggies. But I'm going to continuously doubt Miami until they can string a couple together. And despite the talent on their roster, I'll always assume that it's the culture and the way that operation is run that is so broken that they're always destined to underachieve. A win against Texas A&M would be a signature win for Mario Cristobal and a signal to the ACC and nationally that this isn't the same old Miami. We're running things differently, and he has a different personality than some of the other people that have come in. He's certainly more well-equipped in terms of resume than some of the guys that they have in the past. So if anyone can do it, he can. But I'm, I'm going to take the Aggies in this one. Uh, I, I don't think it'll be a, a blowout. I think Miami could hang in there, but uh, home field advantage doesn't do much for them. So I, I think that Texas A&M pulled this one out close. All right, Andrew, to wrap it up, I want to go kind of big picture here. The big story of the the summer was conference realignment. The ACC had its own drama with a group of four schools that wanted to leave Florida State, definitely at the forefront of that. Uh, They come through the other side altogether for now. They add Cal, Stanford, and SMU to the conference beginning in the 24-25 year. What do you make of how uh, Commissioner Jim Phillips, the ACC, and certain schools handled the, the realignment drama and everything that came with it over the summer? You know, Austin, in any facet of life, right, it does benefit you as a person, as a business, as an organization. You always want to be proactive rather than reactive. You want to put fires out before they start and your house is burning down rather than having to call the fire department and, you know, grab a hose once the house is already up in flames. The ACC is the most reactive organization in, that I've, maybe I've literally ever seen. They had to wait for not only the Big Ten to go in, well, for, you know, obviously the dominoes fall as they may, right? You know, the first thing that happens is Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC, the Big Ten responds, the Big Ten then responds again, the Pac-12 is now folding, and then rather than doing anything at first and maybe getting some of these programs that would be a little more, you know, let's just call it what it is, profitable and make more business sense for them to be brought in, the ACC, you know, sat on their hands, stuck with what they have, and then at the end, they're like, we just got to make a move because everyone else is making a move, right? So mm-hmm. you end up with the slim pickings. The team at Southern Methodist, which I know is Chris the Dallas guy, and you know he's probably rubbed shoulders with some Southern Methodist people. Decent football culture. Uh, they're actually like, basically like not going to take any money from the ACC for 10 years. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know. That might be kind of cool insofar as like just from a fan perspective and going on road trips. But Cal and Stanford, I mean, academically, great to have, but – you know, not a whole lot of pull in terms of national uh, appeal. So, once again, the ACC made a move that they kind of had to make. But imagine, like, the possibility of bringing in, uh, you know, a Colorado or something like that. I mean, Arizona State is huge, big public schools. Those are, those are the ones that you want, right? Mm-hmm. Schools, but no, they let the Big 12 go in and snag those guys up first. It makes more sense. But, again, like, the ACC was the last guy to act, and they had to act overall, long, big picture, I think, unfortunately, unless there can be some kind of seismic change, the uh, the conference is probably toast. Uh, you know, once they basically Clemson and Florida State can figure out how to get out of it, and the ACC, I think that, you know, 
Virginia Tech might be fine. Virginia Tech's probably a big enough school and a big enough program in, you know, Virginia, right? They're on the East Coast. There's a lot of television eyes that could be attracted by a team like Virginia Tech. Uh, but ultimately, the direction that we're probably going into is a college football super league anyway. So all these conferences in 20 years might not exist anymore. But yeah, I give the ACC a solid 10 more years. And kudos to ACC leadership for screwing it up once again. <laughs> That they did. They snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. Good job, ACC. Andrew Alex with us out there uh, in ACC country. Andrew, appreciate all the insight. Uh, look forward to having you on, uh, hopefully, you know, a couple more times through throughout football season if the ACC stays interesting. <laughs> I hope it does. I hope it does. But yeah, guys, I always appreciate the opportunity to uh, come on and chat with you. It's uh, a pleasure as always. Uh, now I'm going to get in my car, drive up to Blacksburg, Virginia, and uh, you know, by noon tomorrow, the Inland Stadium for uh, Virginia Tech Purdue. So exciting weekend. Good luck against Coach Prime in Colorado. Hoping the Huskers can uh, change the national storyline there a little bit. Hey, let's both beat teams wearing black and gold. How's that sound? Amen to that, brother. There you go. Andrew Alex with us on uh, the Allo Fiber VIP line where we understand the importance of exceptional service with local Hart. Nick and Jay, maybe DP and Jay, standing by out in Boulder. They'll be uh, on for old school here in just a little bit. If they're ready, we'll cross it over. If not, Strick and I will wrap up on the block after this. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.